God because he is with us and he is building better than we could ever imagine. And so we can continue in this life of following Christ and leaning into his purposes for us and for the church because he promises to be with us, to be present among us, and that he is building something better than we can imagine. I invite you to stand if you're able for the reading of the word. This is from Haggai 1 verses 1 through 8. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not come to rebuild the house of the Lord, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does not so, does so to put them into bags with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So God is with us and he is building something better. Now, have you ever had unmet expectations or like your expectations weren't only not met, but what happened was completely opposite and um, far worse than you had hoped? Maybe it was not getting what you expect and it leaves you discouraged and disheartened. The haircut that didn't turn out like the celebrity models do that you showed the stylist the picture of. I have zero experience with that. That large shirt that you ordered that actually shows up and is like extra medium. I've had experience with that. Uh, The 100-piece cookware set that arrived and was just three spatulas and 97 sheets of rice paper, right? Some unmet expectations. Or maybe it's deeper than that. It's like that career that you were sure of when you set out, but it didn't turn out as planned. Other things occurred. It wasn't as great as you had hoped. Or that surgery that didn't produce the desired goal that it was supposed to. The strategy that encountered unprecedented circumstances and was derailed in that moment. And this week, I've been thinking a lot about the unmet expectations for the church, for like the church global and even for the church as us, Reservoir Church. In 2020 was kicking off under the banner of our church. I don't know if you remember this, but in, until today, we actually continued to use the graphic. But we were talking about building together. Like 2020 was going to be our year as a church to put down roots and to grow in faith with each other. I had presented to the elders this vision for uh, an expanded leadership team to raise up many of you to take ownership of ministry in the church and the life of the church. We were excited about it and all with this expectation that the continued momentum that we had experienced in 2019 and new opportunities would bring on the flourishing of the church. 
We're super excited. Everybody was on board. We were all ready to go. And then March 15th came. Public gatherings were suspended and 2020 was anything but what we had planned. That's not only for the church, that's in your lives, at work, at school, at home as well. And so we didn't emphasize much in 2020 that slogan of building together because the focus just became staying together. And even though our great plans didn't come to pass, the Lord was exceedingly kind to us in the last year as a church and as a, a people in maintaining unity and providing resources for the church and forming us through the unpredictable because the Lord did not take any time off, continue to work in our hearts as a people. And along the way, as we continued on, there was this steady realization that even though our expectations were not being met, there was no sense in stopping. We're going to we're going to keep on trusting in the Lord. We're going to keep on relying on his strength. We're going to keep on preaching his good news. And increasingly, especially over the last few weeks for me, I've been encouraged by the Spirit more than ever to press on, to keep going and continue steadily plodding toward the purposes of God for this church, knowing that it is he who is building. And Haggai comes to us on the one-year anniversary of radical change of circumstance, a message from this prophet, from the Lord, by the hand of Haggai, that is about taking up the work of restoration. It is a call back to the work that the people were called to and trusting the Lord in the midst of it. And if there is ever to be a word that should be preached on this Sunday, the one-year anniversary of last year's March 15th, I don't know anything better than Haggai. And I didn't plan that. I didn't look at the calendar and say we should do Haggai this week. But the Spirit works and we respond. And as we dive in, we have to um, shift our thinking just a little bit of our posture with the prophets. Because the timing and situation of Haggai is different than all those prophets that have come before. Things have taken a significant turn. Because up to this point, as you well know from our series so far in the Minor Prophets... The prophetic messages have all been essentially warnings and then some promise of coming judgment for the sin uh, before God. That he was going to uh, work his discipline and bring judgment for what the people had been doing that was wrong. He would say that God would use unlikely instruments of foreign powers to discipline his own people because of their idolatry. And so that's the typical message of the minor prophets up to this point. And then along the way, paired with those warnings, is this promise of care and provision and keeping a faithful remnant that carried the people through. Like that hope of promise and eternity with him carried that remnant. And now as we hear the voice of God through Haggai, Judah, though, their situation has dramatically changed. They have some 100 years ago by this point uh, been taken into Babylonian exile. And then many of them have now been sent back to Jerusalem. This remnant is sent to reestablish the city and rebuild the temple so that they are able to worship Yahweh again. And they get to do that without that rampant idolatry 
um, before exile, and the Lord uses exile to rid them of that posture, and those who remain are committed, faithful to Yahweh, and they're going to be the ones that rebuild the temple. In Ezra's historical account, we learn uh, that the people did return. They re- reclaimed the law of the Lord with this uh, repentant humility. And they began to rebuild the house of the Lord. They were re- rebuilding what had been torn down by the enemies of God. And the temple is the priority for them. But we also learn through some of those historical books and accounts that they faced significant opposition and discouragement over the progress. Like things just weren't moving fast enough. And it's so much so that the people just stopped rebuilding the temple altogether. They just put it on pause. And by the time that Haggai gives his word, that he writes this word from God in probably 520 BC, work had been stopped on the rebuilding of the temple for some 16 years at this point. And instead of that work, though, the people, it's not like the people stopped doing anything. They were actually busy going after their own gain, building their own homes and going about life all while the temple sat unfinished and essentially unoccupied. And Haggai tells us that because of this, things are essentially off. They're not as they are meant to be. And in verse 9 of the first chapter, he says, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little, and you brought it home. I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. They couldn't meet any expectations whatsoever because they had been unfaithful to the purpose of rebuilding the the temple and they would labor and go after other stuff but miss out on that because they had been hesitant to do what they were called to do and God speaks to Haggai in what is a phenomenally short ministry and you can map it out but he speaks just over three and a half months that is in these two chapters and he stirs the remnant back to building gets them to work again on what they were supposed to be doing. And in this stirring of God's remnant, we see something of God that helps our own pursuit of him and pursuit of his way in our lives and in the church. I think the first bit of that is that God is with his people. He calls the people to contemplation. He says, consider your ways. That's the refrain that is used over and over in Haggai, to think of how they have been living and essentially then to reject the influence of those around them that would say that it isn't time to rebuild the temple. One writer says that a false piety allowed them to pursue other priorities like their own homes, lives, and interests. And he says they were preoccupied with making a living, improving their standard of life, rationalizing their adversities, and accusing the Lord of being untrue to his promises. Because the temple and the city weren't as great as they used to be, and so I have to invest all that I have in securing my own little kingdom, and these are the things that I'm going to labor toward, not what I've actually been called to. And we get this, like we experience this, we wrestle with this in our own lives. We have similar experiences and the same draw to these things. We desire security for ourselves. We desire to um, find comfort and have that established in our lives. We keep going after things that we expect to fulfill us. 
but they just demand more and end up killing joy in our lives, keeping us from what we are actually meant for. This is the experience in Jerusalem at this moment that Haggai is writing his prophetic work. And he says, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in bags with holes. As if it's all pointless at this moment. One old preacher says, I do not know of any passage in the Bible that better describes the feverish yet ineffective activity of our own age. And he said that like in the 60s. And I think that still applies to us today. The good news, though, is the people do consider their ways. And through the word of God written by Haggai, they are compelled by this call back to labor that has been set before them, that they were brought to actually partake in, and they respond with obedience. Like this is the perfect model for us to consider our ways and respond with obedience. And in verse 12, he says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak. So this is the governor and the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. They had reverence before the Lord. They obeyed him. But that wasn't all, because in their obedience, they were given strength to carry on to do the work because they would not be doing it alone. Verse 13, he says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. If you're looking for a verse in your Bible to underline or to highlight, this is one of them. I am with you, declares the Lord. Their father would be with them. His very presence would be empowering them to move forward, to do the work that they were called to do, to restore the house. And I I think of it in terms of a, a child heading into the unknown. Right? Not, not many of us are scared of the dark anymore, but when we were younger, we were. If you don't like the dark, if our dad is with us, that makes all the difference, right? If we're nervous about something new or an experience that we're about to face, if dad is holding our hand and encouraging us, we can face that. We can uh, approach it. We can experience it. We can do it because dad is with us. And the truth is that God promised his people that they could be strong because he would be with them. He promised them that that he would be with them through the adversities which would confront them as they built this temple. You can have no fear because I am with you, says the Lord, as you take on this work that I have called you to do. And this is exactly what Judah needed in this moment. This is what the remnant needed to hear. The presence of God was with them. His presence is motivation then for their spirits. that They would follow uh, his way and his work. In verse 14, it says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They were bolstered emotionally. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And so 
our building in our lives in 2021 also benefits from God's declaration that he is with us. The truth is that holiness, obedience, following the purposes of God are not actually easy things in our lives. But you are not alone in your labor. God is with you. And in Christ, that reality is supercharged for us. He's Emmanuel, God with us forever by the Spirit, holding us, stirring us onward into the things that he set before us. And this is still how he works, guys. He calls, he provides his presence, and he gives empowerment to his people. Who among us needs this today? I know I I need this today. Think of Isaiah 41, where he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The same God says to those called to build the house, You can build because I am with you. And in Christ, we know this to be true. We can take on the commission that he's given to us to make disciples because he says, I am with you always until the end of the age. He's the one that tells us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And what's more than that, for us in faith, united with Jesus by faith, he is more than someone that is by our side. He actually dwells in us by his spirit. And we can say with Paul, as he does to the Galatian church, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so more even than the promise of I will be with you is I am in you empowering you pushing you forward and so our ability to be strong is actually linked with God's presence with us And for those of you in Christ, that presence is permanent and powerful. There's nothing that can stop our God. And like the remnant in Jerusalem, we are led forward then, friends, knowing God is with us with great hope for what is to come. And it is likely not what we would expect. Because it wasn't what the remnant expected in Jerusalem. But it's paired with the truth that God builds better. Eugene Peterson says, with the people's hearts now fully attentive to God, they had considered their ways and determined to be obedient. Haggai shifted the direction of their work from selfish ambition to selfless abandon, from focusing on their temporal needs to focusing on their eternal needs. And some of the people in that moment of the remnant remembered the former glory of the temple. And as they were building, they had been discouraged that this temple did not at all hold a candle to what had come before. And it's as if they so longed for a return to normal before the exile that they were missing what was before them. Like to our moment, like how long have we ached to go back to normal? And God stands before us and says, no, I have something better And the word to them is, keep going. In Haggai 2.4, he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. 
declares the Lord, work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Be strong, I am with you. Fear not all things that we need to hear as we just keep on living. But there is more because he says that something greater is actually coming. Thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts. So this is the place of greater glory. It's going to be a place of peace, of perseverance. He says that even, he goes on to talk about, even with defiled people, with sinful people, that God actually has the resources and will bring greater glory to this new temple. When the labor drags on, when the walls don't meet our imagination, we can keep going because he's promised to build better. He says in verse 19 of the second chapter, Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. There's a shift. There's a turn. They've entered into obedience. They have reverence for the Lord. And he has promised something far greater than what they see before their eyes. And he says he's going to bless them. I love Haggai, and this is certainly about a building. It is about the temple, the physical space in Jerusalem, but you have to know that it's also not about a building. You see, the ultimate fulfillment of this promise in Haggai is Jesus, Emmanuel, the temple that has come among, the word that became flesh and tabernacled among his people. He's the one with zeal for God's house, and it consumes him even. And people ask for signs when he was doing his ministry, and he says, I'm the sign for you. See, in John's gospel, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. He says, the temple you need is me. And this is Jesus claiming the status as the Lord of the Sabbath. And he says that he is greater. Matthew 12, he says, I'll tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. Because they're, they're looking for a physical structure and he comes physically as the temple for us. And it's through Jesus that this prophecy of Haggai is fulfilled. A temple of greater glory has come. And by his life, death, and resurrection, he claims the remnant. This is the return, his atoning work on the cross for us is essentially the empowerment back to life for the remnant that believe in him and follow him. That we be a people forgiven and free, given new life, purpose, and that we would be the church that is then made into the temple. This is 
Uh, Ephesians 2, what Paul describes us. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophet Christ Jesus himself, being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Friends, we are the temple made so by Christ, built together for the dwelling place of God. Like, lean over to your neighbor and say, we are the temple. Look at that. It's so easy to talk while the pastor's preaching. The latter glory of his house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of angel armies. He can be believed. And in this place, he says, I will give peace. We need that peace and we need that empowerment to follow his purposes. And he still invites us into this work. That we would live lives building on the foundation of Christ. That we would each take care of how we build upon that truth. Making disciples. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. Living as ambassadors of reconciliation. Being the transition team for this new king. Paul will say to the Corinthian church, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you this is for you today do you not know that you are god's temple and that his spirit dwells in you you are experiencing the reality of that greater glory that he promised to the remnant in haggai because of the work of christ your being placed into his kingdom as citizens bought by his blood you have now become the very temple of god just like the remnant in jerusalem but now with a clear view of the glory empowered but not alone built into something better and god gives the people a sign that the better is really coming as he closed out haggai's prophecy he reinstates what had been broken before. In the last three verses, he says, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. He's making Zerubbabel a sign, and for us, we have to understand that this is the reinstatement of the line of David, the promised source of the eternal king. So that line is restored in this moment as they take on the rebuilding of the temple, and the new kingdom is coming. Jesus is the greater son of Zerubbabel. He is the sign for us, the chosen one who calls us to life and to his purposes. We started this morning with a call to worship from um, Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews tells us, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. And that time, and that time his voice shook the earth. 
But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. So the shaking that promised comes to remove those things that are meant to be shaken and meant to be taken away. And what remains is the greater glory that cannot be shaken. It is the church, those alive with Christ. The kingdom is upon us. When Jesus returns, this entire created order is going to be shaken just as Haggai promised. And we will not be shaken because we are actually subjects of the kingdom of Christ. Because he is with us and because he builds better. Friends, things may seem shaky now. Even with hope on the horizon of re-engaging life to somewhat normal ways. But we can still take up the mission that the sovereign king of the universe has given us. And this carries us through even now. It sets expectations differently for us. It trains us to long for that something that is better. To labor for the kingdom because it is actually our good. We can lean into the purposes of God because he is with us and he is building something better than we could have ever imagined. Friends, as we hear the word of God through Haggai, I encourage you to take time to prioritize. Consider your ways. What have you been investing in that has led to the neglect of what God has actually called you to? And for some of us in this place or online this morning, this might even just be our salvation that we've been trusting in our own ability to be pure and holy. But we finally come to a place of realizing that that can only be found in Jesus. And I invite you today to surrender to him. He provides salvation. There is no other way. For some of us, considering our ways will bring the realization that we have been giving attention to the wrong things. So hear the call of Haggai, prioritize the greater glory of God's way. Because God will establish his kingdom in this world in and through us. And we in turn are called to seek first his kingdom. Prioritize Set time to consider your ways. And then as you go, know his presence. Friends, he is with you. You can lean into his purposes for discipleship, for the church, and for the glory of Christ. You can finally take that risk that you know you were meant for. You can finally share that story of his grace that has given you life, that is meant to give others life as well. In order to make it through the discouragement and the trials that we are experiencing in this age, we must remember that Jesus promises to be with us and that he will be the source of our strength. And because that's true, you can do everything that he set before you for his glory and your good. So God knows what he is building among us. And whether we have eyes to see that or not, we can trust him because he promises to be with us. Because Christ's glory is greater 
than we knew we ever needed. Reservoir Church, may we find our spirits stirred by the truth of Haggai, that we would lean into the purposes of the sovereign Lord, that he would build the house among us for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have promised to be with your people. For some of us, that is a very real experiential thing that we have tasted of your presence that we have sensed the peace that you have promised from your temple of greater glory lord if we're honest for some of us it's been a while it it seems as if we have been languishing and that we just exist among the rubble of uh, a temple that's yet to be rebuilt Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and make your presence known to those of us who feel alone. You would minister to us and drive the truth of this word that the Lord says he is with us, that we have nothing to fear, that we would experience that reality, that we'd be transformed by that, empowered by that, and made to lean into your purposes for us as individuals and for us as Reservoir Church. You would build this house, Lord, for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.